We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Pack a Day podcast. We are currently on episode 806, which we talked about pre-show. We kind of can't get over it. It seems like just yesterday we had all started this project, which is a couple of years ago now at this point. And now we have new partnerships in the works with Blue Wire. So there's a lot of really exciting things happening in the world of Pack a Day. And even more exciting, I think, is the fact that the Packers are 4-0 heading into their bye week. So Jacob Westendorf is not joining us today. He is, you know, a busy, busy guy. So you have me as your host, Maggie Loney, joined as always by Jimmy Christensen. So Jimmy, the Packers are 4-0. Yeah, I was, <laughs> I was nervous for this last one. I'm not going to lie. I was just, we have so many injuries. I was like, ah, this seems like a classic game where we're just kind of like, you know, let's make it through this game healthy and come back after the bye. But we're 4-0. Yeah, and Robert Tanyan, I think, said it best in his post game. He said, you know, we were three and one last year, we're four and oh this year. So as long as we keep improving, we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. So yep. I was in the camp where I thought the Packers would probably have a worse record and be a better football team. So the fact that at this point in the season they even have a better record, um, it's kind of blowing my mind, but in a in a very good way. Oh yeah. It's insane. <laughs> I I I even hate admitting this now, knowing how it turned out, but I was I definitely thought we were gonna be like I was hoping for two and two after the first four games. And it's just it's crazy that we're four and oh and look like a better football team. Like you said, we have a better record and are a better football team. So 
Yeah, and even the stretch coming up, knowing the key players that are out now and kind of the way that these nobody expected what is going on, you know, with the Texans. So just kind of this lineup that was supposed to be maybe the most daunting stretch of the Packers season, you know, the 49ers are going to be missing Nick Bosa. So there's just a lot of pieces I think that are shuffling, but by that same token, the Packers are finding ways to win with Devontae Adams out and with Kenny Clark out. So that I think kind of segues nicely into what we picked as our bi-week topic, which is a quarter of the season Packers superlatives. So yeah, we have a couple different categories that we're going to go through. We're going to see if we match on any of these. The goal is to not, but you never know. Sometimes they just seem really obvious. <laughs> so, um, Let's get started with our MVP not named Aaron Rodgers, because I think we would both agree that he would likely be the MVP. Um, yeah. Because he should be the NFL MVP at this point, too. So yeah, it would one, just make sense. Yeah, I was going to say 100%. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to go with, and this could just be off of Monday night's game. Just, I'm still a little, uh, Packer high from it, but I have to go with Robert Tanyan right now for my quarter of the way MVP, just the way he came out in, in off season. There's so many times in the off season where you hear like this player's make like getting the attention of the coaches, this player's making plays. And then it, they fizzle out during the season, but he's a player that made a lot of headlines in the off season. And now it's kind of coming to fruition. Like the first tight end since Bubba Franks in 2001, I saw Alex Struff put that tweet out. I'm sure other people did too, but um, that had a touchdown in three consecutive games. First tight end since Jermichael Finley that to have three touchdowns in a game. So like he's, he's kind of revitalizing that tight end position that the Packers have signed so many people in the past to try to do. So it's uh, I, I'm a big Robert Tanyan man crush right now. So. Well, and I mean, I think if you think about, too, like the expectations for Jay Sternberger as a third-round draft pick, uh, the unfortunate ACL tear for Josiah DeGuara, he'll be out for the season, but there were some big expectations for him coming into the season. So the fact that it's an undrafted guy that's having this impression on the roster I think is really special. And, you know, to be training with George Kittle, there's just a lot to like in his game. So I do like that. I think that it's an underrated pick, maybe somebody that people wouldn't have expected. Um, it feels like there's some more obvious choices, and maybe mine is an obvious choice. I'm not sure, but my MVP right now would be Jair Alexander. And I think that Monday night's game served as kind of a wake-up call for the rest of the league if they weren't already aware. Um, as Packer fans, we kind of considered him verging on All-Pro, even as as recently as last season. We thought he was really close, but the performance he had against Calvin Ridley allowing zero receptions after Calvin Ridley had basically led the NFL in touchdowns the first couple weeks and just put up some really explosive numbers. I think it's time to consider him one of the league's best if he's not already getting that kind of national attention from the media. Yeah, he went, yeah, Ridley had three games in a row of a hundred plus yards and then he went to zero. Mm -hmm. So it's not even like he held him to a little bit, like he held him to zero. Yeah. Jair, you deserve you've earned any pair of glasses you want to wear <laughs> however many bejeweled diamonds you want on there man do you boo boo you've, you've earned it yeah i mean if uh oakley needs another packer if aaron jones isn't like getting the deal done i think that jair definitely <laughs> has uh, a contract in the works for him but okay so you picked bob tanyan already as your mvp not named rogers so then who yep. would be your offensive player of the year yeah so my offensive player of the year um i'm actually gonna go with elton jenkins uh a lot i just Coming into this season, it's so easy to think of a sophomore regression, especially after the great rookie year that he already had, not allowing a single sack. And he impressed fans even more starting the game off at right tackle or the season off at right um, right tackle and still looking as dominant he did at left guard. 
and then immediately that same game switching back over to left guard without missing a single beat. Um, I know he had that he had a holding call this past game. Like that's gonna happen. I don't know. That's just something that popped in my brain now. But he he just continued his dominance and just showed the Packers got a steal getting him in the second round and he's going to be someone we're talking about the, the Bakhtiari contract coming up this off season, but I know he's only in a sophomore year, but in a few years he's already earning himself a big contract coming up. So he's a dominant player and I'm i uh, I'm happy he's on our offensive line right now. Yeah, that's a good one. I kind of wanted to pick Corey Lindsley because I think this yeah. offensive line is just so underappreciated. But to me right now at this point, I think, I think it's gotta be Aaron Jones and it would be easy again to say Aaron Rodgers here, but I think what we wanted to see from Aaron Jones this season is to understand and know that last season wasn't a fluke and the numbers he put up were pretty gaudy. And we were like, Hey, I don't know if 23 touchdowns is going to be attainable. And already he's on pace for an equally amazing season. We saw what he can do in the passing game. We saw what he can do obviously as a rusher. So to me, I think that that's been a pleasant surprise. And Jamal Williams gets credit for that as well, kind of seeing the way that Matt LaFleur has been able to still have his offense firing on all cylinders despite losing his two best wide receivers and then kind yeah. of his ability to make up with guys like Aaron Jones. Yeah, and I, I really liked your your mention of Corey Lindsley too and just the offensive line as a whole. I wrote a story today for Packer Report of just the Packers and their, their um, next man up mentality of just they've had – like Lane Taylor was out, Billy Turner was out, Wagner had to come in, Lucas Patrick was out for a little bit, Lindsay was even out for like they just had people go out left and right, and they've they've people stepped up and filled in. And to the fact that Aaron Jones has been so dominant, Aaron Rodgers having an MVP season, only had three sacks allowed this year, and Rodgers took blame on the Pac McAfee show for one of them. Um, so that offensive line as a unit has just been incredibly impressive. So I know I gave it to uh, Elton Jenkins and you mentioned Lindsay um, that you wanted to pick him, but if there's like a standout group, it by far has to be the offensive line. Yeah. And I think that this is kind of why people misconstrue the way that the Packers have always been like a draft and develop team. And I, I did read your article and I liked the way that you had said, you know, it's oh, always yeah. that next man up mentality because that's how the Packers have always drafted. And, you know, you look at Rashawn Gary and his development behind guys like Zedarius and Preston. So even if we're not seeing, you know, Matt LaFleur has said he wants to get AJ Dillon, all of these touches, but when you have guys like Jamal and Aaron that are playing at such a high level and they're so versatile, it becomes harder to get snaps, but if the Packers can't sign both of those guys, if somebody's lost to injury, look at already what happened with Josiah DeGuara. You yeah. always need to have that next man up mentality. And um, I'll be interested to see who you pick for defensive player of the year, because I think kind of on the defensive side of the ball is where we're seeing a lot of players that are already having to step up so early in the season. So yeah. who would be your guy then for a defensive player through a quarter of the season? Yeah. Before I pick that shout out to that transition. Cause that was smooth. So, <laughs> great job um, for defensive. I thought I was like, Oh, should I pick someone kind of obscure like Bob Tanyan, but I'm copying you for your MVP that you picked. Um, it has to be Jair Alexander for defensive player of the year right now on my, in my perspective, just because what he did last week against Ridley, um, he had a really strong week, week or game week one against the Vikings. I know there was that late touchdown, but that was just a perfect throw by cousins. Like that's just going to happen. Um, rarely for cousins, but it happens, um, but he's just, he's been dominant. And like, you could tell it's weird that you see these players have success and then they still have that chip on their shoulder. Like Rogers in year 16 still has a chip on his shoulder. Yeah. Aaron Jones dominant season last year, hungry as hell this year. So even just seeing Jair, like that snub from the all pro team, you could tell just lit a fire under him and he's, 
still chirping at wide receivers that I love and just showing he's a, he's a dominant force on that defensive side. Yeah. And I think players can feel when it, it feels real and attainable and special. Like Jamal Williams and his presser talked about, they have Super Bowl ambitions. And I know that they did last season. And like, you're never with a team thinking that you're going to go 0 and 16 and it's just going to be like a dumpster fire of a season. But I think that these guys all really can kind of feel the cohesion. And, you know, Rob Tanyan called the team like a, a close knit family. He said, yeah. to be fair, you know, he was like, there's not a ton that we can be doing in Green Bay even without a pandemic. So we're all really close this year, but you know, I think that this, this is like a really special team. And last year we thought that it was special, but it just feels even more so this year. So I, I like that pick. My guy is not going to surprise literally anybody. <laughs> listening. <laughs> it's a Darius Smith for multiple reasons, but I think that he put on our performance against the Falcons that kind of solidified his his space in the NFL and kind of what he was brought in to do. You know, he said that Coach LaFleur had challenged him to be the guy and go make plays and get the defense revved up. And he did that. And LaFleur had said, like, you know, he's a captain for a reason. The other players on the team respect him and they look to him. And he had a three-sack performance. He's now tied with Miles Garrett for leading the league in sacks. He won NFC Defensive Player of the Week. So through a quarter of the season, his numbers are where you would want them to be. And I think he's got a chance now to even break the numbers that he set, the career numbers he set in 2019. Yeah, 100%. And the, the coolest part, too, is he's been doing a lot of this playing out of position a lot of the time. Yep. I know this past game with Gary there, like without Gary there, he got a little more edge. But at the same time, he's playing a lot of stand-up nose. Um, he's moving around the field a lot now, kind of. Kenny Clark not being there. I know Kingsley Kiki stepped up, but a lot of that was put on Zadarius's shoulders and he's handled that and more. And yeah, that's a great pick too. He's your man's doing great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Ben Fennel, who is also with Packaday now, you know, had broken down his three sacks and they were all different ways of bull rushing a guard. You know, he had the swim, he had the, the rush and it just, it, the, the way, the way that he's able to keep winning his one-on-ones differently. And I don't want to necessarily harken back to another Packers legend, Reggie white, but you do yeah. see some of that in his game where Reggie was always able to win with the hump move or the swim, like however he was doing it, he could always win that matchup. So it kind of feels like Z is in that same trajectory right now where wherever he is for this defense, he's able to go make a play, which, you know, without Kenny Clark, there is something that this defense has needed. So yeah. switching then we have biggest surprise on the list. And I think there's quite a few that could kind of be in the running here. I think your MVP could even be in the running yeah. here. So yeah. who would be your, your shocker so far? Uh, this, I don't know. This one probably isn't as much of a surprise as some people, but I'm naive, I guess. And just the step that Matt LaFleur made from year one to year two of play calling. And this could just be, he's, he's in his second year. He had a whole off season to implement a lot more things um, where they really couldn't do anything except learn the playbook. But it's like his play calling is beautiful. Like every game he's called so, so far, like they showed highlights of the last game where they're, literally three receivers Rodgers could have thrown to that were just wide open. And it's just Matt LaFleur setting things up in an amazing, I can't stop saying beautiful, gorgeous way (laughs) for this offense to just flow so smoothly. So that's my biggest surprise. Like I knew there's going to be a step, a step forward, but I guess I'm just surprised on how big of a step it was. Yeah. I didn't even consider picking the head coach. So I'm glad that you did because I really want to talk about that. And I think it was Nathaniel Hackett and one of his pressers had said that last season, a lot of the guys were like, look, why is there so much motion? Like, what are we doing? Why are we spending so much time learning this? What is it setting up? And then now we're seeing in year two, exactly what it's designed to set up. And, you know, we talked about 
in the draft process, how maybe Matt LaFleur is just now getting the guys he needs, but the guys that he got in the draft, even the free agent wide receiver that opted out Devin Funches, these guys aren't playing. So he's still doing the same things with the same guys he had last season. It's just this year too, being able to actually execute effectively. And I think that's been honestly, yeah. One of the biggest surprises is, even the quarterback saying, Hey, there's a college wide open and there's NFL wide open and our guys are college wide open yeah. right now in LaFleur's scheme. So I think I'm going to say my biggest surprise is the inside linebacker position. And I think it's got to be Chris Barnes. And that's that pick in itself is probably not a surprise because he's, he's shown up and, you know, with Christian Kirksey being out, unfortunately with injury, Ty Summers wore the communication helmet a little bit, but Chris Barnes has really looked the part of an athletic middle of the defense inside linebacker. And he's been making some really imp- impressive plays, especially, you know, being an undrafted free agent pro football focus has him as one of the top rated inside linebackers in the, the rookie class, even above guys like Patrick Queen and Kenneth Murray. So yeah. to have that level of performance coming out of somebody without even being drafted when Packers fans, myself included, were clamoring for a guy like Patrick Queen has just been really impressive and beneficial to that middle of the defense. Yeah. And you even mentioned too, just him stepping up a lot, but it's the most impressive part is like he's on practice squad. And then like three days notice, it's like, Oh, Hey, by the way, you're starting, like you're going to be the starting number two linebacker week one. It's just a a roller coaster for that guy. But yeah, he stepped up huge. Um, It's going to be interesting to see, like I really feel like our inside linebacker spot went from a, a place of worry to now when we get Kirksey back and Martin back, like we have so much depth there with those four yeah. guys. And even Oren Burks is there too. I even like, and he's playing edge rusher now, or he's doing some stuff on the edge now. So it's like, I don't know. Our whole team right now is <laughs> giving me a lot of feelings. It's just, it's interesting what they're doing with these players and putting them in different spots to see where they thrive and where they can impact the field. And, I'm with you. The inside linebacker spot going from weakness to strength has been beautiful to see. Yeah. And I mean, I'm with you. It seems like there's like so much to love and it's really hard to find things to criticize when you're a four and O team heading into a bye week. And theoretically going into week six, the Packers could return two of their best players. They could have Adams back. They could have Clark back and they could have Gary back. So yeah. all of these key pieces that have been making the team function and the team's still been able to function without it. So I guess then it may be a little more challenging, but talking about a player that would have maybe been your biggest disappointment so far of the season, because, you know, there's a lot to nitpick if we're splitting hairs, but the team has said that there's plenty they can still improve upon. Yeah. Also, Jacob's fired from host now because those are two transitions (laughs) you just made smooth as hell. Uh, So biggest disappointment. I was going to be, I have, I guess I have two for this. One is just the injuries, but that's every NFL team right now. And I guess that was an expectation coming into the season of uh, lack of preseason games, a weird training camp. So injuries are going to happen, but that's definitely been something that's been disappointing to see. And league wide, like the big names that have gone down, just kind of devastating to the league. But Packer wise, a big thing has been Preston Smith for me. He's been, um, it's not that – and I said this in uh, like at Lombardi's Bar and even on Pack-A-Day. It's not that he's not playing poorly. Like he's he's not playing bad. Like he's playing okay, but he's not making those big splash plays that we saw a lot last season. Um, and I understand like he's dropping in coverage more and things like that, but there's just still a part that you want to see him getting to the quarterback a little bit more, making an impact on the field because um, he was such a leader – last year and he definitely still is for the team but you're just not seeing the on the field impact you were last season and 
I had this weird thought and I felt like such an idiot saying it, but like, it looked like he came into camp a little bit heavier. And I didn't know if that was like on purpose for like, Oh, maybe he's that's on like, he wants to do that. And I don't know if it's kind of getting back into playing shape because they didn't have those preseason snaps, but um, I'm hoping to see more out of Preston. Yeah. And I had tweeted this out a little bit ago too, but I think that one of the problems that he's encountering the same way that they're asking Zedarius to play out of position is kind of the roaming nose. He's been dropping into coverage a lot more, like you said, and both of these guys are playing like 90 ish percent of snaps for the defense. And Mike Pettin last season said that 84% of snaps was too much for those guys. So, and I know Kenny Clark being out is a huge factor, but when Clark returns, when Gary is healthy and can rotate in, I think we're going to see more of an impact from a guy like Preston because he'll be able to do what he's supposed to be doing and what he's really, really good at doing instead of kind of having to try and fill in for some of the other pieces on the defense. But I think, I think my biggest disappointment isn't necessarily from the productivity of a player, but just it's AJ Dillon. And you know, the Jordan love pick, we knew that Jordan love, or we at least hoped he wouldn't have to play for at least a season, likely more, but he was always going to be a, be a developmental guy. And AJ Dillon, it brings such a different skill set to the Packers backfield. You know, Aaron Jones is really shifty. I know Jamal Williams said that he was working on his finesse and his quickness and that's shown up significantly. Um, His hands have improved Aaron Jones. Also his hands have looked really good, but AJ Dillon not getting on the field is still kind of surprising. And I know that it's really early in the season. We're only four games in, but he is such a bruiser. And for him to only have like 30 yards on the season, especially on some of these like fourth and one plays, I know it seems predictable to have your 250 pound bowling ball, (laughs) take a handoff, but it's something that I still would like to see. And, you know, Matt LaFleur, I think I mentioned this earlier, has said, like, we want to get him involved. It's just hard when you're buried on the depth chart. And I totally understand all of that. But he's a player that I was kind of hoping we would see come into the offense a little more through four games. Yeah, one billion percent. It's And you even mentioned those fourth and ones, um, that, that's where you expect him to go in. And even if it's predictable, at the end of the day, a wrecking ball is a wrecking ball. Like yeah. he's going to get a yard for you. His his quads are too big not to get a yard <laughs> for you. Um, and even like on the goal line, I'm a little more understanding on the goal line because Williams and Jones add that. And not that Dylan can't, but you just didn't see it in college. Jones and um, Williams provide pass protection if you're doing a pass play. And they also have that receiving threat. Um, so it makes it a little more unpredictable on like fourth and goal, which makes sense. But those fourth and ones where it's like, no matter what running backs in there, they're probably going to run the ball. Like that's where I want to see just Dylan just run through a middle linebacker and get a couple yards. So yeah, yeah, that is disappointing to see so far. There's a part of me that kind of wonders too, with AJ Dylan, if he hasn't been in as much because of his lack of progress in pass pro. And, you know, we saw against the Falcons, the Packers threw the ball, a significant amount. I know they had like 80 yards on the ground, but put up a ton of yardage through the air. And if, if AJ Dillon hasn't kind of proven that he can be that guy, because Aaron Rodgers had said he finally has people back there that he trusts in Jones and Williams. So if Dillon is somebody that kind of worries him, especially not having Mercedes Lewis, Lewis healthy, you know, maybe that could be part of it, but yeah, we have two, two superlatives left. Um, curious what your thoughts are now on best play so far through four games. Yeah, uh, this one was tough because there's been, I don't know, Rodgers has been Rodgers this year, so there's so many to kind of like pick from. But I think best play for me has to be going into this offseason, and I have to admit, I've been the biggest Jamal Williams vocalist, Stan, as some (laughs) people would say. But 
and especially in his route running and catching ability. But right now, Aaron Jones, that catch against the Lions, like the yeah, that not that many people expected him to make such a leap in the passing game when he jumped up and grabbed that over the deep. Um, I think it was over the defensive back, right? Yeah, it was just glorious. Um, that was a beautiful catch, uh, and just anything against the division rivals even better. So that's why I'm I'm going to go with that play, that jump ball that Aaron Jones got. Yeah, I'm kind of in a similar vein, but I, I'm going with the Mercedes Lewis touchdown because to yeah. me it was so surprising and like still really athletic for somebody who's been in the league as long as he has to still have those quick hands and the ability to still fall into the end zone because he very easily <laughs> could have just gotten shoved out of bounds. So oh, yeah. that whole play to me, you know, it, it kind of reminds you why Big Dog is still in the league after so many seasons and why Aaron Rodgers still speaks so highly of him. And just the tight ends unit in general seems obsessed with him, which is a lot yeah. of fun. And it's, it's nice to see him get to do things besides just like blocking. <laughs> like, like, yeah. yeah. Um, it, it was great. It, Old man to old man. That connection was always cool to see. But, (laughs) okay, truthful opinion. Was that a push-off? I think it was like one of those basketball push-offs where if the refs (laughs) were going to, like, call it really soft, he would have gotten flagged. But they were letting him play. Yeah, it was one of those things where it was like, I could understand if you called it, but at the same time, it's a Packer player, so don't call it. Yeah, and if it was, you know, something that they could challenge like last season, I think it would have stood however they called it on the field. I don't think he overturned it either way. So Yeah, absolutely not. So last superlative that we have on our list through the first quarter of the season is breakout candidate for the Packers. And this doesn't necessarily have to be through the first four games, but it's somebody that you've got your eye on through the final 12 games, through the playoffs, all the way to hoisting the Lombardi trophy in February. Who's your guy and why? This one was the toughest one for me. Um, But it's, nah, 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 nah. See, I want to, so I I think I'm going to have to go with my MVP on Tanya, but that the tough part is, is like, he might already be, he already kind of broke out the first four games, but he did this to where I guess there was a lot of, they didn't have to worry about Devontae Adams. So Devontae Adams is coming back, which is going to open so much up for MVS, Tanya, um, Sternberger in the passing game. And if Tanya can, could do that without Adams, like, it's yep. going to be a little bit easier, or a lot of bit easier for him to open everything up. But yeah, so I'm going to, I'm going to have to go with Tanya. My MVP is going to keep MVP in it. Yeah. So I was conflicted because one of my players is also somebody that I've already mentioned. So my picks, I, I'm going to cheat. It would be either Chris Barnes or Kingsley Kiki. And I think a lot of that is because they both had to fill in on short notice for players due to injuries and they've looked so good doing that. And, you know, Kingsley Kiki continues the trajectory that he's on opposite Kenny Clark. That bodes really well for the defensive line. Kind of wonder what that means for guys like Dean Lowry and Montrevious Adams moving forward. If either of them could kind of become like a cap casualty, but I think Chris Barnes is to me, the one that would be the most significant improvement because whatever happens with Christian Kirksey, we always kind of thought of him as like a stopgap one or two seasons with the Packers. Not sure he would be a long-term answer there. So if Chris Barnes continues on the trajectory that he has been on as an inside linebacker, the Packers could have found their guy in the middle of the defense for a long time. Yeah. I, I, both those picks are great. And I, I really liked how you, the Kingsley Kiki was going to be my, my pick. If I didn't go with Tanya, I've he, especially that Saint game. It it's hard not yeah. to just be impressed with two sacks. I don't want to say it's all because of the Lombardi bar bump because he was on the show, <laughs> but that definitely was part of it. Uh, 
No, he to come in and we knew he he was going to have an increased role, but he's filling in for a Pro Bowl highest paid nose tackle, and he's doing really well for it. And to, I'm, I'm excited to see what they do on the line right now. And surprise, a, a person I could have put for biggest surprise is Tyler Lancaster too. Yep. That defensive line right now, a lineup of Kiki Clark and Lancaster, actually like gives me a little bit of confidence to stop some plays. Tyler's been doing really great. Kiki stepped up huge and Kenny Clark's Kenny Clark. So um, yeah, I, Kingsley is a great pick. So is Barnes, but Kingsley was my second choice. Well, I think the thing that we're looking at right now is there's so many players that are stepping up because of injuries. So if, if they can continue these performances, like if you can have Kiki and Clark on the field at the same time, both playing at a high level, that bodes even better for your defense. The same with Rashawn Gary leading the team in pressures through the first couple of games before yeah. he was dealing with the ankle injury. The more guys that you have step up, even in depth roles, whether it's, you know, taking a couple snaps off of Preston because he's getting gassed or Z, like these are all really key things. And I think that that's, again, goes back to the way that Brian Gutekunst stressed ball. They're structuring this roster to always have that next man up mentality that you talked about earlier. And I think that that's kind of what's so special about this team through four games is even with really significant injuries to both sides of the ball, this team has proven consistently, you know, they lose Lazard. There's each week there's a new player that breaks out on offense and on defense. Yeah. And that I've mentioned that in a couple of shows, that's my favorite part is every week we've won. It's been because of a different person. Like yeah. obviously Rogers is like the centerfold of everything, but <laughs> Adams went off week one, Jones week two. Um, I'm blank. Week three was Lazard. And then week four, Tanyan and Jamal even had a career day. So it's like these yeah. players are just stepping up and it's just, it's great to see because everyone was, in a, in a year where depth is so important, it's nice seeing that the Packers have depth right now. Yeah, and I think that that's significant too is as much as fans want to clamor for Snacks Harrison or clamor for a wide receiver you know, to come to Green Bay, it, it proves why the Packers are so confident in their players. And even if they did sign Snacks, you know, by the time he gets acclimated to the defense, maybe Kenny Clark is back. And maybe the argument is that you think Snacks has higher upside than a guy like Tyler Lancaster at this point. But the fact of the matter is the Packers really trust their guys. They've been developing these guys for multiple seasons for a reason. And this COVID season has proven, especially with all the guys that keep elevating from the practice squad, why that in-house depth has always been so important in Green Bay. Yeah. No. A bagillion percent. <laughs> I was trying to think of a new number, but I'm going with bagillion now. I agree. All right. Well, I think that's all the time that we have with our Packers superlatives. So, Jimmy, if the people want to find your work outside of the Pack-A-Day podcast, how can they do that? Yeah, uh, you guys can follow me Twitter, Jimmy underscore C008, um, just one zero. I, I stuttered a little bit there. So, Jimmy underscore C08. Um, all my stuff, my Packer Report article every uh, Tuesday from now on, because we don't have any more Monday nighters. It will be out every Tuesday at 1 o'clock. Uh, game on Wisconsin. I'm on there. Um, the Jamal Williams show every Tuesday, obviously the star of that is Jacob Westendorf. And then there's also <laughs> Jamal Williams and then myself, uh, and then Lombardi's bar every Wednesday, but, uh, no one really cares about me, Maggie. So what about you? Where to find you? <laughs> <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Maggie J Loney. I write two articles a week for Cheesehead TV. I podcast with Perry Goldstein. Um, you can catch our episodes with packs which she said typically every friday and we also host happy hour on mondays through game on wisconsin 
You can also find our third co-host, Jacob Westendorf. He'll be back next week on Twitter at Jacob Westendorf. He writes for Packer Report, and he's also the what we would consider the godfather of Game On Wisconsin. You can find all of his work. I don't know how he has time to do anything in his life. Yeah, but I don't either. But he does. So thank you, as always, for listening to the Pack-A-Day podcast, the only Packers podcast available 365 days a year, 366 days a year on Leap Years. I literally make that joke every time I host. Um, thank you. I heard it <laughs> <laughs> thank you, as always, for listening. And go Pack Go. Go Pack. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? 
Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.